Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. I am so wondrously saved from sin. I love that statement. I hope that's true of you today, and uh, we can celebrate this morning our salvation uh, that comes only through Christ. I want to ask you, get get that hymnal out again. Uh, grab that if you uh, grab a hymnal. If, if you didn't have the hymnal, grab a hymnal and turn to hymn number two hundred thirty-four. And I need to grab a hymnal too. I didn't bring one up here, so somebody hand me a. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Hymn number two hundred thirty-four. We're not gonna. Not going to sing it. I don't think we might. Uh, but uh, I just wanted you to take a look at this hymn. Didn't ask Gil to sing this hymn, and that's why Gil knew and, uh, that I was preaching on the cross today, and everything that we've sung about this morning is pointed toward the cross. I appreciate that, Gil, and thank you for the way that you do that so faithfully. But just look at this. Look at the words of this hymn. When I survey the wondrous cross, how many of you think it's a wondrous cross? You believe it's a wondrous cross. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, second verse, forbid it, Lord, that I should boast God, don't let me boast, save in the death of Christ my God. In other words, only that's the only thing that we can boast in is the death of Christ. All the vain things that charm me most, the things of the world, I sacrifice them to his blood. Third verse, this one for sure. See from his head, his hands, his feet. Just think about that right now. Just think about that right now. See that in your mind right now. See from his head, his hands, his feet. Sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? And then the last verse that says, were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. That would, you know, if we, if we owned it all, it would still be a present far too small compared to what Christ did for us on the cross. And love so amazing, so divine. Listen to this, y'all. Love so amazing, so divine that we see on the cross, what does that love demand? It demands my soul my life, and my all. Have you today given your all to Jesus? Your all, everything in your life belongs to him. Have you surrendered completely to him? Such a wonderful thing for us to do today, and that is to survey the wondrous cross. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to su survey the wondrous cross. You know, sometimes we sing those hymns, and maybe we don't, we don't really, uh, you know, we've sung them for so long. We, some of you didn't really de even get that hymnal out today. You could, have, you could have done that from memory. I might could have, but I didn't want to get up here and mess up. That's why I grabbed one of the hymnals. But the word survey, what does that mean? Well, what, uh, the word survey means to, to view in detail. So we're going to view in detail the cross today. The word survey means to inspect it. 
So we're going to inspect the cross today. The word survey means to examine it. So once again, afresh and anew for all of us, we're going to examine the cross. And then finally, the word survey means, to listen to this, to appraise, to, to, to determine its value. To appraise, to determine its value. So today, we're going to survey the cross again, and certainly, there's no way for us to completely comprehend the value of the cross of Christ. But let's try today, okay? Let's try one more time. We think about the cross, and we see crosses everywhere, crosses on steeples, crosses hanging around our necks, crosses in people's yards, crosses hanging on our walls in our homes, and that's all wonderful. As long as we don't let it lose its value to us. Let's be careful that we don't do that. But today, as we survey the cross, let's try to determine how valuable the cross is to us. Again, today, James Montgomery Boyce said the cross is the focal point of the Christian faith. That's why you see it everywhere for those of us that know Christ. It is the focal point of the Christian faith. And he says, without the cross, the gospel of salvation is an empty hope. If we don't have the cross... Pardon my grammar, we ain't got nothing if we don't have the cross. The empty cross, by the way, the empty cross and the empty tomb that we'll celebrate next Sunday, Lord willing, Jesus isn't still on the cross, amen? He's not on the cross anymore. So, so I, would, I would encourage you today, if you have a cross hanging in your home or somewhere that's still got Jesus hanging on the cross, I would tell you that it would probably be a good thing for you to take that one down and put one up that doesn't have Jesus on the cross anymore because he's not on the cross. Without the cross, the gospel of salvation is an empty hope. It's just hard for us to state how wonderful and how awesome and how necessary the cross was and is to us. I mean, thousands upon thousands. I've been a senior pastor since 1999, and so I hadn't preached thousands of sermons, but I preached a whole bunch of sermons on the cross, but thousands upon thousands, I've I guess even millions of sermons have been preached on the cross by preachers and evangelists everywhere. And, and even today, I'm sure guys are preaching on the cross today. And, and it's Palm Sunday. We're thinking about the, we're moving toward the cross and all of this. And it's, it's, we've, it's hard for us to, you can keep preaching on it. You still hadn't fully comprehended the value of the cross. My, my own father-in-law, who was a, who was a Southern Baptist pastor, uh, he he carried these little pocket crosses with him everywhere he went. There's, there's, there are hundreds of people, hundreds of people that Brother Mac, my father-in-law, would give those crosses to everywhere. At his funeral, people would walk up and pull a cross out of their pocket and say, Brother Mac gave me this. And if you went to his gravesite in Brookhaven, Mississippi right now, on his headstone, we put, a, we put one of these crosses. Keep them, we put it there to remind people as they come Brother Max stood for preaching the cross and preaching. We, we do. We, so he lived for the cross and the empty cross and the Savior that's on the cross. We sing about it, man. We, there's hundreds of hymns. I mean, as you think about the Christ, cross, somebody in here is, is thinking this right now. 
So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till, come on, at last I lay down. I will cling, I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange, and exchange it someday for a crown. I guarantee you when I mentioned cross, somebody started thinking about the old rugged cross. Somebody started thinking about it. at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. Maybe you thought about when I surveyed the wondrous cross. Maybe you thought about the way of the cross leads home. Maybe you thought about Jesus keep me near the cross. And we've sung about it. Chris Tomlin released a worship song a few years ago, and there's a line in his song, a few lines. It says, be lifted higher than all you've overcome. Your name, Jesus, be louder than any other song. There is no power that can come against your love. And then he says this, the title of the sermon, the cross was enough. The cross was enough. And so today, we proclaim that the cross was enough. Amen? The cross was enough. Enough for what? Enough for our salvation. The cross was enough for our redemption. The cross was enough for our rescue from sin. The cross was enough for payment for our sin. The cross was enough. So grab your Bibles, if you would, this morning and turn to Mark chapter 15. Now, you see, there's no other, there's, there's just Mark chapter 15. Now, there are, let me see here, there are 47 verses in Mark chapter 15. No, I'm not going to read all 47 of them, but this whole chapter is about the cross, and that's why I just put Mark 15. So let's just survey it real quick. Let's just take a look in, in detail a little bit here at Mark 15, and look, and as soon as it was morning, remember last week we were in the garden so as soon as it was morning, the clock turns over, and now we're a good Friday. As soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus, and they led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. So this thing is starting. This thing is starting. Drop down to verse 12. This is where Pilate is doing all of his thing. Verse 12, and Pilate said to them, to the crowd that had gathered there, what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And man, then the soldiers took him out. And he had to deal with 600 soldiers, a battalion of soldiers with 600 soldiers. 600 of them began abusing, humiliating, beating, torturing Jesus. 600 burly Roman soldiers. And they began to salute him, verse 18, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking him on the head with a reed, spitting on him, kneeling down, oh, and homage to him, making fun of him, mocked him. They stripped him of the purple cloak, put his clothes back, and then they led him out to crucify him. Verse 24, and they crucified him. And they divided his garments up. Verse 25, about 9 o'clock in the morning, it was the third hour when they crucified him, about 9 o'clock in the morning. Verse 33, and when the sixth hour had come, at noon, 
There was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. Ninth hour, three o'clock. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And stand, please, and let's read verses 37, 38, and 39. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the Son of God, and he is the Son of God. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Let's pray. Father, help us today now to take a look at the cross again. Bring it to us fresh and new today, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks so much. You may be seated. So the, the events of Mark chapter 15 took place on Good Friday. You know that. Some people wonder why it's called Good Friday. <laughs> because so many of the events and activities and experiences that happened on that day were far from being good things. Uh, the things that the Jewish religious leaders and the Roman authorities did to Jesus certainly were not good uh, by any stretch of that definition. The Jewish authorities, the, the arrest of Jesus, the trial of Jesus definitely was not good. These Jewish leaders were showing their immense hatred of Jesus because they were disregarding and breaking many of their own laws and regulations when they brought him in. I mean, these were the guys that... that fought with Jesus for three years over him healing people on the Sabbath and doing things that they're, you're not supposed to do that on the Sabbath. You're not, you're not supposed to be doing these things. And yet when they arrested him and brought him in, they broke rule after rule after rule after rule to have this mock trial with Jesus. Trials were not supposed to be held at night, and yet this, this trial was happening before dawn. It had just flipped over to midnight when all of this began to happen. They had no authority the Jewish uh, uh, religious officials had no authority to execute anyone, and yet they had Jesus killed. The, the accused is supposed to have representation and counsel, but Jesus stood there alone. The, these Jewish leaders hated him so much that they were willing to break their, all of their own rules. They just wanted to get rid of him. That's not good. Man, these Romans, man, then the Roman trials that happened, they were just a sham. They accused Jesus of inciting a riot. They accused Jesus of telling people not to pay taxes. They accused Jesus of claiming to be, a, be the king. And all of these things, they had him openly ridiculed. They had him scourged. They had him, hum, he was completely humiliated. The scourging was an incredibly vicious brutal torture tactic they would take the person they would tie their hands over the head or they would tie them up to a a post they would strip all of their clothes off of them and then they would take that cat of nine tails you know this they would take that whip that's got stones embedded in it and pieces of bone and glass or things like that embedded in the straps of that whip and then they would begin whipping that person on their back. When they would begin, the, 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 when they would start, the, the, the stones, the rocks that were in the whip would, would just begin to pound into the flesh and cause 
deep, deep, deep bruising. But then as they continued, then the flesh would begin to rip and tear. And a lot of people wouldn't make it through the scourging. A lot of people would not make it through the scourging. This was something they regularly did before crucifixion. And a lot of people would not make it through the scourging because it was so brutal. But Jesus did. And by the time they finished, his back would have just been hanging in ribbons. And I mean, that's not good. That's not good. There were no good things done by the Jews or the Romans that would cause us to say it was Good Friday. If you look at the Jews and the Romans, we wouldn't have said it was Good Friday. But the good comes from the plan of God, right? The good comes from the plan of God. A lot of us are on the Version Bible app, and it's got a verse of the day every day. And on Thursday of this past week, I started noticing on, on social media that people were posting Romans chapter 5, verse 8. That was the verse of the day on New Version. Romans 5, verse 8. This says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the good, y'all. That's the good of Good Friday. That while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ came and died for us. That's the good of Good Friday. God's plan was accomplished. God's good salvation is offered to us. God's good love for us was on full display for all the world to see. So there's, there's the good of Good Friday, the good plan of God, the good salvation that's offered, the good love of God is all shown on Good Friday on the cross. The application for this message today is simply that Jesus paid the ultimate price for our sins through his death on the cross. So church, let's live for him. Exclamation point intentionally put the exclamation point there jesus paid the price so let's live for him we consider today what he's done for us on the cross i hope we walk out here and say i'm living for him in a way i've never lived for him before so today i want to take a look at some succinct statements five succinct statements and i got to do them because i got five things i want to share with you five things i want to tell you we'll take the word cross and we're going to use it as an acrostic this morning the first the c stands for cruel the cross certainly was cruel. When you look at that, crucifixion was one of the most cruel, one of the most brutal forms of execution known to man during Jesus' time. Maybe at all time. But one of the most cruel forms of execution. It been around for centuries. Been around for six, seven, eight hundred years before Jesus got here. But the Romans perfected it. I mean, they had it down to an, a, a fine art. To make sure that it was as brutal and as excruciating as it could possibly be. And you know, you've watched the movie, The Passion of the Christ. You know what happened on that day after that scourging. After that scourging, after all of the humiliation, the crown of thorns pounded into his head. The blood everywhere, the blood that was shed for you and me is everywhere. And they take the, the cross beam. Normally they would take the cross beam, which would probably weigh anywhere from 75 to 120 pounds. And take that cross beam and put it on his shoulders and tie him to it so he could carry it. But Jesus, you know, was too weak to carry it. And so they had to call upon Simon of Cyrene to come over and pick the, the cross beam and carry it for Jesus to, the, to Golgotha, to the place of the skull. I've been there to the Holy Land, and there is a place right close to where they think Jesus, uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, there is a place there, and in the side of that uh, hill, it literally looks like a, a skull. The, 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 
The, the, the lay of the land looks like a skull there. And Jesus got there, and you know they pounded the nails in. They didn't put it in his hands because the weight of his, the weight of his body would not have supported that. The, the nail would have ripped through his, uh, his, uh, the palm of his hands. And so they put it through the wrist, and then they would uh, put his hands above his head so he'd have to pull up to breathe. And then they'd pound the nails into his feet there and put him up on the cross where he'd have to, and the hands, because you can't breathe when you're hanging, so he'd have to pull himself up to, to breathe. And you know every time he did that, his back, which had already was, was just tons and tons of open wounds, would, would, would be rubbing on that rugged cross as he pulled himself up. And, and, and just think about that. His, his body, just, you know, his body is just, just in excruciating agony and pain. So cruel. Such a cruel form of execution that he went through for you and for me. So excruciating. In fact, do you know that the word excruciating, that word actually means out of the cross? When you talk about something being excruciating, you're talking about the cross. Well, man, that was an excruciating loss that our football team went through. You're talking about the cross. This pain in my, in my hip, this pain in my back is just excruciating. You're talking about the cross there. That word literally comes from the experience of someone being crucified on the cross. That's how cruel it was. It was cruel. Secondly, it was required. The cross was required. Why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Why did he have to die on the cross? Well, the simple answer to that was to fulfill God's eternal plan for our salvation. It was required to fulfill God's eternal plan for our salvation. There was simply no other way. There's no other way. We may not understand it completely, but there was no other way. We, and we must never call God into question. We don't need to call him into question. I mean, the Word of God tells us in Isaiah 55, 8, that his thoughts are, our, are not our thoughts. They are higher than ours. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4 says, God is the rock. His work is perfect. Everything, everything, everything he does is just and fair. He is faithful without sin. Everything that God does is just and fair. So this, this plan, this plan for our salvation, the reason Jesus had to die on the cross is this plan of God is perfect. It's God's perfect plan. It's God's just plan. It's God's fair plan. And Jesus' death and resurrection provide the only entrance into heaven and eternal life. So if you're here today and you're relying on your good works, or you're relying on your church membership, or you're relying on your spiritual heritage, or you're relying on the fact that you just a, you're just a good old guy that's lived a good life, or you tried to try to do the best I can do, then my brother, my sister, you're not my brother or my sister because you've never given your life to Christ. Because only through Jesus' death and resurrection, God is a perfectly holy God. And he cannot let sin go unpunished. And only the perfect Son of God could pay the price and undergo the punishment that we deserved. So the cross was required. It was required for our redemption. That word means to buy out. 
So the cross, we were slaves to sin. Before we were saved, we were slaves to sin, and God purchased or bought out our freedom from sin and hell on the cross. It was required for our redemption. It was required for our reconciliation. You see, sin alienates us from God and causes us to be separated from him. Romans chapter 5, verse 10 says, While we were his enemies, Christ reconciled us to God by dying for us. The cross is required for reconciliation. The cross is required for our release. Because prior to our salvation, we were prisoners of Satan. We were held in sin and bound for hell. And through Jesus' death on the cross, we are released, praise God, from Satan's jail cell and set free to live for Christ and one day to go to heaven. So the cross is required. The cross is also overwhelming. It's cruel. It's required. It's overwhelming. It was definitely overwhelming in its cruelty and its agony. But listen, y'all, we celebrate that the cross is an overwhelming display of victory. Amen? A display of victory. Jesus' death and resurrection are massive displays of victory over Satan and sin. The cross promises that we can live in victory too because the God of peace, according to Romans 16.20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. It's an overwhelming display of victory, an overwhelming display of truth because prophecy after prophecy after prophecy, even Jesus crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, was a direct quote from the book of Psalms. Prophecy after prophecy was fulfilled at the cross, displaying the unchanging truth of God. God's plans will not be altered or thwarted. It's an overwhelming display of love, too, man. Certainly. John chapter 15, 13 was fulfilled right there. You know it. I'll start it. You finish it. Greater love has no man than this that he do what? Lay down his life for his friends. If you don't know that verse, memorize that verse, John 15, 13. And we saw the perfect great love of God displayed on the cross. It was cruel. It was required. It was overwhelming. It was sacrificial. It was sacrificial. The requirements of forgiveness of sins have always been a sacrifice. All of those Old Testament sacrifices were pointing toward this one sacrifice. They were displays of repentance from sin and faith in this future sacrifice. The sacrifice of Jesus because God provided the perfect and final once for all, once for all sacrifice for our sins through Jesus' death on the cross. Listen, the, the, the sacrifice of Jesus is so much better than all those Old Testament sacrifices. Because Jesus' sacrifice did what those sacrifices could never do. Jesus' sacrifice made forgiveness of sins possible once and for all with a sacrifice that is never to be repeated. That's why Jesus isn't on the cross anymore. That's why we don't sacrifice animals in these worship services. You don't repeat the sacrifice. It is finished. That's what Jesus said. It's done. The sacrifice is complete. And finally, the cross is sufficient. It's sufficient. Guys, I want to get that video here in just a second there to finish this sermon. Our good works are not going to get us into heaven. Our church membership is not going to get us into heaven. Religious activity is not going to get us into heaven. Only 
The cross is sufficient to get us into heaven. Only the cross. Y'all ready with the video? Y'all listen. If you answer that, and if I answer it in the first person, we've immediately gone wrong. Because I, because I believed, because I have faith, because I am this, because I am continuing. Loved ones, the only proper answer is in the third person, because he, because he. Think about the thief on the cross. What an immense... I can't, I, I can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him, how did that shake out for you? Because you were, you, were, you, were, you were cussing the guy out with your friend. You'd never been in a Bible study. You'd never got baptized. You, never, you didn't know a thing about church membership. And, and, yet, and yet, you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said. You know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What? What do you mean you don't know? Well, because I, I don't know. Well, you know, we, uh, uh, did you, <laughs> excuse me, let me get my supervisor. They go get the supervisor range. So we have just a few questions for you. First of all, are you, are, you, are, you, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? <laughs> I said, I've never heard of it in my life. And, and what about, uh, let's just go to the doctrine of Scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually in frustration, he says, on, on what basis are you here? And he said, the man on the middle cross said, I can come. <laughs> now, now that's the, that is the only answer. If you were to die tonight and, and, and you were getting entry into heaven, favorite preachers that I listen to all the time. But that's it. What Alistair Begg said there is it. The cross is sufficient because Jesus said it is finished. It's done. The thief on the cross found out that the cross was sufficient. It wasn't baptism. It wasn't religious activity. It wasn't good works. It wasn't any of that because Jesus said you can come. And so he says that to us today too. Because you and I are just like the thief on the cross. No, you, pro- you, you, know, you probably hadn't railed against Jesus and cussed about Jesus and said, you know, you, why can't you save yourself? Get you, you know, save us, man. Do something, do something. But we're all just like him because we're all desperately in need of a Savior, and only Jesus is that Savior. And so I hope that you've turned your life over to him I hope that you've given your life to him. I hope that you know Christ as your Lord and Savior. And the truth of the matter is, probably the majority of us in here today, I don't believe we all have. I'm not standing in judgment or anything. I'm just saying, I'll just, I, I, good chance that there's somebody here today that's never truly given your life to Christ. You're counting and dependent on something else other than Jesus. You've heard this story. You've thought about the cross a lot. You've been to Easter services. You've bought a dress. You've brought a new tie. You've done that for years and years and years. And but you've never truly given your life to Christ. He's, the cross is sufficient. He's our only Savior. 
So I invite you to come to him today, either for the first time, somebody that needs to be saved today. Come to him today, this risen Savior. Come to him today and be saved. Maybe somebody else, you've given your life to Christ. You, you are a believer. You are a Christ follower, but you're not following too good right now. It's time to draw back as you start remembering and thinking about and surveying the cross today and thinking about, oh, I, the way I'm living my life right now doesn't really say that I, I think this Savior is worth me giving my all to. So come to him afresh and anew today. Repentance and brokenness and renew that relationship with that, that fellowship with them. Draw close to him again. Man, if there's something else that is going on in your heart, but the cross is sufficient. So come to Jesus today. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the cross. Thank you that the cross is empty. Thank you that the tomb is empty. And today we come to you, fresh and new. Lord, draw us close to you. For somebody that needs to be saved today, Lord, I pray that right now they come to you right now and say, Jesus, save me. I'm like the thief on the cross. Save me. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And we just cry out to you like the thief did. Save me today somebody else that just needs to come and draw close to you again and they're in conviction over their sin in their life right now and they're in conviction about the condition of their walk with you right now Lord and so you just love them you just call and say come on home come on home it's okay I'm here let's go so Father thank you for this invitation time help us to be obedient to you now in Jesus name I pray amen